the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics with a paranormal podcast for believers, doubters, and everyone in between. And then we've got uh, a great guest this week, haven't we? So why don't you lay your cards on the table? <laughs> you said you had a great dad joke. I did say I had a good dad. <laughs> that is my dad joke. That's your dad joke. Okay. Yeah. So we've. Um, we, I think as a species, we often try to find out more about ourselves using spirit and you know that's this is why people use ouija boards or go to psychic mediums but another way which i think probably people consider to be slightly safer is tarot and i didn't realize that you could professionally learn how to do a tarot reading so joining us this week is avril price who is one of those teachers and she teaches these courses at the college of psychic studies in london and i've invited her on the show to talk about what tarot is uh what it means to you and then um we'll get into a sort of uh, another look at what that means for our perception of the world and mental models about reality things like that but first of all let's meet avril and talk about what tarot really is so avril thank you for joining us on the quantum mechanics today uh it's a huge pleasure to have you here thank you very much i'm very pleased to be here i've been looking forward to this oh well thank you so have we so first of all just so that our audience can really understand can you just explain a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living okay so i am um, a tarot consultant uh, and i facilitate tarot studies i also work as a psychic medium and i am based at the college of psychic studies in south kensington london and i have been doing this for a very many number of years and uh one could say I've been around the proverbial spiritual block a little bit. <laughs> so, and and this is the thing that I found most fascinating. You teach tarot and also psychic psychic techniques, I would suggest. Is that the right way of putting it? That's right, yes. Um, so I first started out um, as a psychic medium uh, offering uh, platform services in church, platform demonstrations both here and I've, I've travelled doing this kind of work um, and then that my, my true passion has been tarot I've been reading tarot for about 35, 36 years and I found that spirit was working very well with, with tarot as a, as a modality um, plus I'm interested in self-discovery because I think that is once you know yourself, you know the world. So I teach and work with tarot from a psycho-spiritual perspective. And as a tarot uh, facilitator, I run several groups. And we look at the various ways that you can work with tarot in terms of because tarot is very versatile you, you, it works on many many different levels at once um but essentially its most magical thing is it works as a psychic trigger so you know tarot is just simply a piece of card with a pretty picture on it but it's actually how you interpret it how and the symbolism within the card triggers off something within you within your inherent collective consciousness you can only ever intuit what you already know yeah there's quite a lot to take in there so let's let's take it from the beginning so if people imagine that um, i'm sure lots of people do but if you don't know what tarot is i i i don't really know i imagine it is uh well i i know that it's a deck of cards describe that deck of cards if you would Okay, so tarot is comprising of 78 cards and we have 22 major arcana which are mirrors to the soul and the major arcana uh, is things like the fool, the world, the devil, tower, death and um, all the ominous ones, please note that I'm reeling out here um, although I have to say that they're not really ominous they're archetypal symbols that reflect back to you 
the, the stage of consciousness or the level of consciousness that you happen to be working within at that particular time. It's, it's a mirror to the soul. It shows you how your spirit is functioning in the physical world. Because some say, you know, we're humans with a spirit. I think it's the other way around. We are spirits with a human. Okay. So so you've got you've you've got those cards and then how do you go about doing a reading with them how does that what's the process for that well, i just wanted to go on and explain that we have there are 78 of them so there are okay. 16 court cards which we call personality cards and um I, I take a lot of pleasure teaching these because people have these massive light bulb moments going i had a boyfriend just like that and and that's that's the rub is that we can work with the cards and relate our life experiences to them. And they, and they, they allow us to get greater clarity of the life journey that we've been on. And then we have uh, what we call minor or pip cards, which are what I call the dynamic cards. They, they kind of reflect back to us the nuts and bolts of, of, of how we kind of work with those big gun cell cards that I spoke about earlier. So I was going to say just the um, the mechanics of how a reading happens. For, for, for you, you have the deck of cards, and then what happens? Then we shuffle them. You know, so some clients will want to have a specific question. Many just want a general overview. They want to see what comes up in the cards. So we give them a big shuffle. Now, the, the shuffle is really symbolic because the shuffle is about you getting your house in order ironing out the creases, sorting out the glitches and getting that all-important clarity because essentially that's what you're looking for is clarity. And I hasten to add at this stage that I'm not a fortune teller. And I tell clients this. There are some really good fortune tellers. If you go and get a decent fortune telling session, it can be worth its weight in gold. But I don't do that. I work, as I said, from a psycho-spiritual perspective, which is more about self-discovery. And so there's, there is more of a healing content in that because it's designed to be empowering and uplifting. And again, the, the emphasis being on clarity. So the shuffle is really important. It's uh, not necessarily about, you know, oh, mixing them all up to prove that, you, you know, that, uh, that, that I'm a charlatan or, or not or otherwise. It's, it's a definite statement of me getting my stuff in order. I've been working a lot online lately. So I've basically been doing the shuffling for people. And so what they do is they tell you when to stop and start the shuffle. I try and make it as interactive as possible. Online has brought out a, a, a whole vista of both. Um, so it's a mixed bag of, of blessings and curses working online. But uh, online, I, I select the cards for them. If it was more in person, the, 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 the client would draw the cards themselves. The, the idea being on the synchronicity of the card selection, which does the actual mirroring. That's the art of a good tarot reading is getting that synchronicity right. So, so can I ask a quick question about, so the shuffling part, is that, it's a weird kind of thing statement to make, but is that kind of the start of where the magic happens so when when there's shuff when someone's shuffling it's almost getting getting the house in order for what's going to come next is that a good way of describing it yeah that's a really good way to describe it yes and i think there is something magical about tarot when it works and i think in in a broader view it reflects back to us how magical we are i believe that we're all magicians one thing that working with tarot in the way that I do is it teaches us that we create our own opportunities. We manifest our own lives. We're responsible for our own um, realities, both external and internal. And the more that we own that and the more that we love that, then the, the, you know, the greater the, the, the quality of life choices that we, we can make to enhance this one that we're living in. And when you do the, well, not when you do, but when someone's shuffling, do you feel something while that's happening? Can you can you watch somebody do it and go, this is going to be a good one, or they've got that shuffle right? Absolutely. I mean, 
my key skill is is my ability to be able to see beyond the two-dimensional world. And you kind of get a, a general gist for how things are, are going to go. Because I actually one of the I, I use various skills or certainly have done i can read an aura and by reading the aura i can get a pretty good idea of um uh you know from the colors that the person is, is presenting that will give me an idea of, of where the, the uh the reading will lead because i've worked with uh, photographs and psychometry in the past so um these again will give me a sense of, of who that client is, what they're about, and, and, and perhaps where they, they could be aiming for. And then post the shuffle, is there something uh, in the order with which the cards that are chosen are laid out? Well, you can go into a spread. Spreads are very useful. So a spread is a layout of cards, and each card has its has a particular position, um, and, and that position has, has, a, has a title and a, and a meaning, a, a designated meaning. And you can follow the spread through, and it creates its pattern. And you can build up the uh, it builds up its own little energy. And you you're reading those cards on lots of different levels at once. Um, but online, I tend not to bother with the spreads. I literally re- build up a reading three cards at a time. I'm more interested these days in telling people their story back to them. People are always, they're interested in themselves, and why not? That's what they come for. They want to know about themselves. And I find that, you know, the spreads are very good for the fancy footwork, but I prefer to let's get to the nitty gritty. What, you know, what is going on with you? What what perhaps would you like to see or need to see? And where is that influence going to take you? And how much of this, because it sounds like there's, um, and I think you mentioned it before, there's almost like um, a healing and counselling section to this. So how much of this is your innate skill at being able to do that and help people through techniques that we might recognize in other areas of life like counseling or whatever and how much of this is spiritual guidance what is the overlap yeah it's a good question i think it's 50 percent intuitive insight and it's 50 percent common sense you know, and, and and plus, there's a smashing. I I I am adept at, at reading symbols, and it's and you find that tarot readers they're a class of their own, and a, a, you know a good tarot reader is extremely skilled because they're doing lots of things in a very short space of time. You know, they're they're looking at the symbols translating the symbols they're putting the story together they're tuning into the client they're getting psychic information about their client they're looking at the past the present and the future they're putting all that together they're problem solving pretty much uh, most of the time um, and then they, they're also looking to, to offer a, a therapy in terms of healing and um, and, and and also Tarot creates this wonderful platform for communication where you can have a dialogue with someone that you wouldn't normally have. Right. It goes beyond, you know, social politeness where you can get into the nitty gritty, you, you know, the, the, the muddy footsteps on the white carpet. What's that all about? You know. Following on from that, because I while you were talking, something was going through my head of... I mean, you could look at this in a couple of ways. So I was thinking about, so a footballer can play football, but he plays it better when he's got boots on. A tennis player can't play tennis without a racket. So is your relationship with the cards, you could do it without, but you do it better with the cards, or do you just need the cards to be able to do it? So what happens sometimes, so if, for example, I don't want, it's not appropriate to work with the cards for whatever reason. And I might be getting sort of like psychic information or even mediumistic information. What can happen is what you get, what I call an etheric card. So a card will drift into your mind that links into the communication that you're having with your client. So yes, tarot can work on an etheric 
level. But obviously, tarot is it, by its very nature, it's it, it's it's a, it's a tabletop therapy. It, it, you know, and it's you look at the each card holds the context of the story. So, I would say that yes, you you can read tarot without without having the cards, but it's uh, but it's better if you have them. Okay, cool. But they, but you see, they, they work on the, uh, lots of different levels. They, they read people on multi-dimensional levels. What the, one of the things they teach us is that we're more than this two or three-dimensional being that we think we are. One of the joys of teaching uh, tarot studies, particularly at a foundation level, is that you get people coming to class that are full of conditioning, that they've got an, an ideologies about uh, religion, philosophy, spirituality, politics, whatever. Um, and you, you start to work through the symbolism and the esoteric meaning of the symbols within the gods. And you can see these light bulb moments that people have as they realise that actually there's a lot more going on in this world than, than we can even possibly imagine. And, it, and that's what I love about tarot is it kickstarts the imagination. And the imagination is vital to, I think, to our, as a human resource as it allows us to have a spiritual event with ourselves, an internal spiritual event. So if, if, it, was, um, if it was what uh, I was saying before, like a conventional sort of therapy session, you've got a trained person in the room and a person asking for help uh, or, you know, guidance. And in this case, uh, you were saying like 50% comes psychically. What is that? third party presence that is available how can what what's a good way of describing that influence and where it comes from it's a snail trail in life we leave this snail trail and the past present and future is made up of these little snail trails and the decisions that we make and the cycles that we involve ourselves in um and the attachments that we make and the, you, you know, all the decisions and the choices that we've made in life bring us to this exact point in time. Yet nothing's ever written in stone, but at the same time, given our composite nature, who we are elementally and vibrationally, you know, and we, there is a predisposition towards a destiny. Whether that's actually written in the stars, I think it's debatable because we can manifest our own future through our choices and the opportunities, whether we cease to grab them or not. What spirit does, I think that, that's what you mean by the third party. So what spirit can do, because I do believe that we are accompanied by spirit guides, inspirers, co-walkers, co-creators, whatever you want to call them. But I believe that there are uh, facets of our higher wisdom that kind of portray themselves as, as spirit guides. And of course, our ancestors, who we're all a little piece of, um, they can often deliver very profound insights and messages as to who we are and where we are. And very often, it's less of who we are and more of where we are. The, you know, the, the, the greatest magic, the greatest healing is about loving ourselves enough in order for us to make key life choices so that this can be the best life yet. So these... Um I mean, you used a number of words from there, but um, spirit guides is probably one of the most common that people might use. Who who are they? You mentioned ancestors there. Is the correct way to think about them literally, in a literal sense, like, you know, a deceased great-grandmother or something? Or is it a different kind of entity? I think it's a different kind of entity. Um, I mean grandmothers, grandfathers, ancestors, they can be guides in like they were on earth. You know, you, you we'd like to think that those who've, who've given birth to us or looked after us 
guide us through life. And that consciousness continues. But spirit guides, I feel that they are so evolved that they no longer have to take up an earthly incarnation. But there's also another added thought to that, that they are also extensions of our own light. Because everything is vibrationally correct. And, you know, spirit guides appear to us in a way that we are going to understand it. Because everything is a, is, is a kind of a, a sense of elevated consciousness. As we are, we, you know, we, we come to this earth as shards of light. Our light is our gift to the world. And our guides are our, our co-workers encourage us to be that light. One of the things that I teach in tarot, particularly when we talk about the beginning of the fool's journey, is that God, whether you see it as, as, as a God or, or, or her or him or whatever, or the great spirit, whatever you want to call it, is a bit of an underdeveloped personality. It's so omnipotent, so omniscient that it doesn't know of itself, herself, himself. So it sends us to the physical plane almost as mirrors of light to reflect that great spirit back to itself. And, and how that the, how our spirit guides kind of interact with them as aspects of our own light to guide us to be that light in the world because essentially our potential is is to, is to grow God, to grow the universe. Every experience that we have adds to the collective consciousness, which then ultimately develops our idea of the universe that we live in and our idea of the divine. So in a, if you think of along the lines that we are the universe, then as we grow, the universe is also expanding. Deep esoterics there, I know. Good Lord, that is, there's quite a lot to unpack there. So let me, um, let me try and frame this in a way that I can uh, begin to get a grasp of. So, so it, when you look at the full card with his little dog dancing around his feet, that dog is an, is, is an aspect of who we are as primates. We're animals. We are, we, are, we are part of the food chain, whether we like it or not. And I am really passionate about teaching that because I think we have a major first world problem insofar as that we are being disconnected from nature. We are being encouraged to see ourselves as superior or something other than nature. We're not. We're primates. We're animals. We're carnal. We're instinctive. You know, we, we have to go through all the, you know, this whole carnal thing. We have to procreate. We have to eat. We have to, we, we, we born, we die, we, we age. We're hormonal. We're pheromonal. We are, we are completely animalistic and primordial. But the beauty of, of the human species is that we're also anecdotal. And part of that anecdotal is that we carry a divine presence. We are the divine force, that love that, that's alive and well, that compassion that is a living energy in the universe is inherent within us. We, each of us, have the antidote to each other's suffering. And that's what makes us that little bit different because we can tell that story. Right, right, okay. Uh, that makes sense. Just going back to what you were saying before, though, the the nature of reality, because I'm quite interested in that. It Am I right in saying that what you were kind of insinuating there, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm just trying to um, get a handle on it, is this, the nature of reality that we're experiencing now is here for a reason, because there is another consciousness which sits in another reality that needs to uh, learn lessons. And in a way, could you describe that uh, the human spirit is an avatar for learning for a different consciousness in a different dimension? Is that one way of putting it? Oh, you've put that so well. I love what you've just said there. That's exactly what I meant. 
But you imagine yourself being so vast and so big and so powerful, but you're not aware of your own power. And in some way, us, in, in actual fact, in many ways, I see it all the time. Humans mirror that fact. We were never completely sure of our own power and potential. But in order for for the for this for expansion and growth to continue, that that loving force, that divine nature needs to know of itself. And we mirror that back to itself in, in all its 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 um both its shadow and its light. Um because again, while you were talking, I was thinking back to the shuffle, um, shuffling the cards. Because I'd almost got in my head, it's like some external spirit controlling the order of the cards while the shuffle's going on. But the way you're describing it, it's more, if I was doing it, I'm just being in tune with that greater power. Would that be a better way of saying it? Exactly. Right. Nothing happens outside of us. There are no discarnate beings flapping around, uh, you know, orchestrating your shuffle. And I'm being very careful what I say because I, I do believe that there are entities and beings that live amongst us of a spiritual nature. But, um, in, but, in, but you, that's the tarot essentially is about you connecting to your own spirit. I see. And and what I was going to ask off the back of that, because this has come up in other conversations with other people, this notion of having a karmic plan. And, and there is sort of, and I don't know whether this is sort of like um, a, a showbizized trope that there is, you know, a, a guiding spirit to keep you on the plan. I mean, that is sort of in essence, you know, that old show Quantum Leap is is a way of interpreting that, you know, you have one man trying to guide another. It's 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 a way of explaining uh, or sort of portraying that relationship. But the, the, the way that you described it, that sort of makes sense because if there is another consciousness that is trying to make sense of uh, its own being through these avatar things, then you would you would have a plan for the learning experience of that particular avatar. And so is, is that, is that an accurate representation of what the guides are doing for all of us? Yes. I think a guide can't tell you what to do. A guide can't insist that you stick to a framework because I think that framework is extremely malleable. Um, we, 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 we create our own destiny, but I think the tools that we have are karmic. So, and, and it's how we use those tools. Essentially, we hope that they're going to be used for the greater good. Because I believe that the universe conspires with whatever is in our hearts at all, the at all times. And there are no morals in the universe, only laws. So, you know, if, if you use your tools for the for the greater good and for the benefit and for the for the development of your environment, for your family, for your for your own well-being, to the best of your ability, then the universe is going to co-create that with you. But alternatively, if if you've got rather more um nefarious uh goings on within your heart, the universe will help with that as well because everything is energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Um, I just before we explore that a little bit more, I just want to go back to what you were saying about animals. Um, uh, I think we're all uh, dog lovers. I like to think of my dog as being as special as humans. We have that connection with animals, and animals, I feel, also have a connection back to if we're going to call it. I think there's lots of is syntactically one runs out of uh, words, but let's say the word spirit. I feel like they are connected. They do have their own light. Is that right? They absolutely have their own light, and they have their own function. They have their own ways of means of of mirroring back that intelligence because this is an intelligent world. Everything um, has an intelligent connection. Whether you're a mushroom, with connecting to trees, 
this sounds really woo, I know, but um, or, or, or whether you're a meerkat that's having a look for the meerkats. There's something ostensibly really intelligent that's going on there. And that's, love is intelligence. And so animals kind of um, are performing that intelligence. They're performing that overall love that's alive in the world. Thing is, though, about dogs and horses, what I think that makes them really special is that karmically they've agreed to be of service to mankind. In You know, that they've agreed to walk side by side with mankind to develop the world that we're that we're living in. I mean, you've only got to look at some of the stories perhaps that have come out of the wars or, you know, the the, the therapy dogs, uh, you know, so on and so forth. I'm sure you get my gist, but there is something about the spirit of a dog and a horse that really understands the dynamic of human nature and what, and there is a karmic link there. Yeah, yeah. More so than cats, but that's a, that's another thing. <laughs> well, cats, cats, cats teach us a lot, actually, about self. They're not necessarily about being of service uh, and kind of going that extra mile for the greater good. What cats do is they, they encourage you to look at who you are. And, and and focus or switch the focus on more internal stuff. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So if we've kind of we've established that, uh, well, at least in my head anyway, I understand what you're describing. And you were saying there, which I want to pick up on, the idea that there are other um, elementals or whatever that live uh, amongst us. When we talk about other phenomena, like last week we were talking about um, poltergeists and we have spoken in the past about like um, the dangers or the joys of Ouija boards. What is it that we're talking to or experiencing in those sorts of cases, in your opinion? Um, I, I get the sense that you're talking to a level of consciousness, a, a footprint that's been left here. Um it's something that's on a loop um, because and there's, and there's very, you know, everyone has a level of consciousness for, and it, it, I don't know, it kind of, we, we, Ouija boards, we're kind of tapping into the deposit of that consciousness that once was here and still can be quite influential if you want, if your intention is to tap into it. And in your mind, is it a feature or a bug that those things are there? Because sometimes they can be very destructive. I mean, poltergeists are terrifying for the people that experience them. Is it is it just a, a, a fault with the way the universe is designed that that happens? Or is there some deep reason why they are there, why those footprints get left? There is a deeper reason. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think there's such a thing as fault. I just think that... You, you, the, the shadow world is light waiting to be illuminated. So we, I don't think we truly understand the true nature of, of how energy, vibrational beings interact with each other. Um, I mean, I've never experienced a poltergeist, but I've experienced things moving around. Um and I, th I think that you know, but it's uh, for me that kind of act. It's like the perfect storm. It's like someone with that right vibration meets meets the um, the energy, that wave that's coming in, and then you get kind of like cataclysmic behaviour. It's the perfect storm. Can I ask about the relationship between? This is really interesting. That relationship between Ouija boards and tarot cards is the process similar or is it like comparing apples and pears no it's like comparing apples and pears funny i instinctively feel that ouija boards are for dabblers and there is a danger in dabbling 
because you could indeed tap into something that you don't know enough about, That's that the force that's greater than you, that can be frightening. And the problem is that once you're scared, once you're afraid, you're never going to truly understand it or heal it. Yeah. You know, I, back in the day, I used to go around with, with a friend of mine clearing houses of, of weird energies and spooky goings on. And one thing I discovered that the house and the occupant had things in common. You know, because I, I do something called woundology. And I believe that, you know, we, we connect to each other through the wound. I, I'm less about soulmates than more about wound mates. We've got more in common through the wound than the soul. There's another conversation. But it's, it's similar with, with houses that the house has is this very similar kind of history or a, a, an overall vibe that the, and, and the occupant and the house shares it. And it manifests itself in activity. And, it's, and the occupant will respond to it in, 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 uh, according to its needs. And very often, as the house needs healing, the occupant does as well. So uh, does that mean then the house has a layer of consciousness, which is, would be a very Japanese way of thinking about things? Completely. Completely. You've, you, you, your house... Is is a is is a symbol of of you 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 know the the mansions to your soul, and it's somewhere you where it, it embodies your 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 living and your breathing and you know and who you are as a composite person. But does it have a consciousness in its own right? Like does a does a house that's just been built have a consciousness, or is it being rubbed off on by let's say the light that moves within it? nothing's ever random nothing's ever accidental so a house the house that's being built it's going to absorb kind of uh, the, the you know ideas from the people who are building it every every brick that's laid down you, you know will carry something from the person who's laid it Ob objects hold energy so following on from that i was thinking um I was thinking about your relationship with the cards, with the tarot cards. So if, let's say, Ben and I, you did two separate readings for us and we picked out exactly the same cards, your reaction to them, your reaction would be different between my cards and his cards. So what's going on for you at, the, at that point? How are you feeling? How does it differ for you in your interpretation? You, can, you get a sense... You, in, you intuitively know that, okay, so the, the symbol in the car's the same, but um, the context of the story is very different. So, the, the, so you can, uh, you can uh, apply the, the, the symbol in a different way. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I'm just I'm working out how that... So, let, well, let's... I, I don't know if you ever do it this way, but let's say you'd never met us. <laughs> and we picked the same cards you would still you'd be able to tune into us at that point yeah yeah yes, absolutely just, so it's an instinctive feeling for you so for example you 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 might, you might both choose the death card i'm using that because it's a one that probably everybody <laughs> everyone knows <laughs> yeah so the death card essentially is not about dying but i never talk about people dying i, I think it's that is a, between you and your maker. I think uh, I think it's intrusive, but it we but we it works on the premise that we live and die every day, um, and essentially it's it, it's about wherever there is death, there is life. So it's about transformation, and about you going through transformational processes, and we all go through transformational processes. Now you understand what I'm saying because you 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 have a, a, a collective consciousness you have an understanding of what it is to be human and what it is to to transform to go from one state of being to another to transform from being a child into an adult and so on and so forth but in the microcosm if I was to if you were both to choose the death card I would say that Ben would be going through a transformational process 
that was very different to your experience of it, Peter. And how would you, is that just a feeling you get? Is it, yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's to know without knowing. It's a, it's a, it's almost like the way of the Gnostic. It's you just, you just inherently know. It's part of your intuitive now. You might get psychic impressions, like you might get pictures about what that is for you. And do you believe at that point you are kind of tapping into mine and Ben's energy separately? Let's say you're doing me, you're tapping into my energy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's really interesting. And in, in that respect, how much of, I just want to define energy for a moment. So is that, um, so you were talking vibrations before, is that something you can read off the vibrations? Or again, is this something that um, you are getting psychically from a third party who is relaying information to you? You can only intuit what you already know. Yeah, you said that before. What does that mean? Is it means so, that you come into this world with a deep inherent wisdom of of uh, the unconscious knows everything. What tarot does is it gives the unconscious a voice. You know, the unconscious longs to merge with the conscious mind at all times, but it hasn't got a voice. It hasn't got a language other than dreamscape. And in a way, you could say that spirit is fundamentally our conscious in how it wants to relate to us. What tarot does is it shows you what's going on in your unconscious world. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to have a dialogue with that and to understand those driving forces, those driving dynamics that are, a work, uh, are at work within your hidden depth. So if we talk about something like a past life regression, I remember you said earlier that we are also part of the sum of our ancestors. Those past life regressions, is that bringing out that language of giving a language to that unconsciousness? Absolutely. And so is a, is a past life regression, and this is probably an unfair question, but is that a, an, a, is it a real oh, yes, this person lived before, or is it just tapping into those dimensions of you know that you've had those experiences and they're part of the building blocks of you? It's a part of the building blocks of you because I think that, you know, when we work with past lives, it's it's anecdotal because we can't prove it. I mean, at the end of the day, mediumship is, is proof of survival of life after death. We can't essentially prove anything with past life regression other than that it is a knowing and um but but you know when we you can work with uh with tarot with the ancestral stuff the ancestral, you know in fact it's quite uh it, it's almost like it become another form of mediumship in terms of that we carry on those characteristics and traits that our ancestors hand those down to us. And sometimes that ball stops rolling with a particular person, indicating that those traits need healing and that that, you, that family line needs lifting to a whole new level, a whole new paradigm of, of consciousness. And that's really powerful work that can happen. And tarot can show you who the ancestors are, you know, the prime movers and groovers, and what characteristics and traits that they're actually bringing into play and what we can do in order to, to heal them and for that, for that to become whole again. Okay, that makes sense. That's, that, that sounds a bit like that could almost be a genetic memory as well, do you think, something that's passed down? Absolutely, a cellular memory, which, you know... and. and very often, you know, I was referring to this, you know, each of us have our own set of tools, our own, our own set of skills that, that, we, that we're born with. In a way, those are your past life memories. We acquire those from a previous incarnation. So we're given that set of tools, that, that set of elements, you know, your, 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 and we use those to cleave out a path in this particular life. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, okay. So 
in that case, what when when we die, what in your mental model happens? What is it that we leave? Is 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 it a soul? Is it is it is it a consciousness? And that consciousness returns in the current state back to we, when you, when you pass over, you go through something called decathaxis. And decathaxis is where we lose the the uh, emotional body. Um, you know, the emotional body is there to drive us. It's part of that whole pheromonal thing. That, you know, the, the emotional body wants you to fall in love. But when you fall in love, that means you're going to procreate. It's going to connect you to your identity and, the, the, you know, your various levels of ego and so on and so forth. You don't need that when you pass over to the next realm. So you go through this decathaxis process where you lose that emotional body and you become pure consciousness. And you're, you're still embodying your spiritual consciousness of, of who or what you were in this, in this life, but you don't have that emotional resonance. You don't have the anger. You don't have the sorrow. You don't indeed have the happiness. You just are. Right. But with some learnings, I assume. Oh, absolutely. So when you pass over, you then, you're given a review of your life. And you, you can see, and this actually happens a lot in, in consultations, that you may get, for example, a parent come through who was particularly unsupportive of the, of, of the client. And there will be some kind of communication around i understand i could have given you more supported you more and there could even be a shared memory and this is very important that this communication happens because it's part of that that deceased person's opportunity to heal and to also continue on their evolution evolutionary process but in consciousness as opposed to physical form can i just bring it back to um something a bit more personal to you um i was really curious i'm assuming you do your own readings of yourself do you yes i do how often do you do them and why um that's a quite that's quite a good question how often do I do them? um surprisingly not a lot um these days, I in the beginning, I used to I used to read for myself a lot because you are your own best um, uh, specimen, uh, and, and you know it's very hard to get practice when you're a neophyte. Now I got, I do them out of intrigue. So if if, if um, I think oh, this feels like such and such, I wonder what it looks like. So tarot gives me an idea of, of what what I'm feeling, what that feeling actually looks like in a in a in a, in a symbolic way. Kind of contextualizing it. Yeah, it? that's yeah. The, yes, that's right. Um, I don't if if I've got a crisis, I never do a reading. That that's kind of what was in my mind. I always do it post crisis. The reason is I think that life has to happen. I think that things have to play out and you it's part of your transformation or it's part of this, this other stuff that's going on. You know, maybe that chaos has been put on you by somebody else or maybe you're, you're living out a, a, a bit of a stormy time for whatever reason. But as soon as that storm subsides, then I'll have a look at it. Where can I go from that point? What can I... What can I put back together from that that crisis? And following on from that, so obviously there are lots of people, I know we've got them in our household who've got tarot cards and do own readings. Uh, what's I mean, that seems like great advice of like, if you're a moment of crisis, it may not be the best time to do it. There, is there other kind of tips you would give somebody who's just doing their own readings at home? Um, read. Get as, get as, read as many different authors as possible. Get a good teacher. <laughs> Don't dabble. In, invest in a decent tarot course. Avoid uh, uh, avoid um, 
what I call scatter courses. There's lots of people on YouTube. There's lots of cheap and cheerful courses out there. They're nice to look at, but I think if you're going to, to if you're going to invest your time in tarot, remember it is a spiritual path in its own right, mm-hmm. and I feel that it, it, it's worth. Um, going that extra mile and 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 really seeking out good authors or good teachers who are really going to kind of um, give you a good toolbox for, with which you can work with Tara in a very effective and very contemplative, thoughtful way. Is there a sense of you need to take on the responsibility of opening up those channels? What do you mean? Uh, well, if... Um, if you start using tarot, presumably you are opening up not just your own uh, inner thoughts, but the psychic connections as well. And the one of the reasons for being correctly trained in it is so that you can correctly manage the responsibility of having opened those channels. I, I, think, I think it's about being aware of of, of what's of what you're doing. Absolutely, so, and it's not necessarily about responsibility, but it's a it's. Essentially about awareness, right? And I think also it's it's don't get superstitious. So we can build up a lot of superstition, which can really throw you off course. It should be a joy. Tarot is a thing of beauty. Tarot, I think, was handed down to us by a higher entity in order for us to get to know of ourselves and 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 the, and the part we play in in the wider picture. So I, I think it is also about working with them joyfully and you know i think what i did you know was read for girlfriends you know you'd have a girl's night in get your cards out again because tarot provides a a platform for for narrative for dialogue and you can talk about things that you wouldn't normally talk about and it could uh you could inspire each other you could spark off different kinds of interests um yeah, I think that I think you know get as much practice as you can. We in the past have interviewed quite a few people who do remote viewing with, with kind of psychic spy type stuff. The military had programs where you know you could go to places. I don't know, you get a code number and then you'd kind of do some drawing and walk around places in space and time. And one of the um, principles of it is trying to distinguish the signal, as they call it, from the noise that there's a lot of noise that comes with the information that you're getting. Is that the same process with tarot, that it's trying to let your mind go clear? Good question. So the way I teach tarot is that, you know, it's um, you get given lots of information and people say, oh, my God, how am I going to remember all this? What's all this? It's like a lot of clutter. And there's also a lot of personal psychic impressions that come up with that information because you're hitting buttons. So what we do is we put it into keywords. So you give the information, then we consolidate it into keywords. So essentially, when you're reading the card, the first thing that you think about, it's not this reams and reams of information that you've received, but you've got that keyword. So, for example, we were talking about the death card. The major keyword is transformation. So as soon as that card hits that table, I think transformation. And so I think what does... And words are, are, are psychic in their own right. So, what what portal is that word opening for me? What does what does transformation mean to me? What does it look like? What does it look like for that person? So, the, so words, key words, words are keys. They they open you. They open up your psychic connection. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. It is. It is. I've got two questions, and one of them's re- one of them's really crass. So I apologise in advance for asking the question. So, well, maybe both of them. Um, you say that sometimes you do readings that are just somebody comes in and just wants to read, but sometimes there's a specific question people want answered. If uh, if you're not going to break any client confidentiality, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to read? Or question that you might have been asked to help with. Gosh. So this, so one was um, he he wanted to know about his alien encounter. <gasps> I want to know about that. He'd woken up and he found a, a a piece of silver in his neck, 
and he wanted to know if if, the, if his alien encounter had put it there. Then there was another one who, um, uh, this woman, she said, oh, I've had a divorce um, and I'm not feeling very well about it today. And so we, we carried on with the reading only to discover that they'd got divorced in 1352. <laughs> right. And then there was another one where uh, this person wanted to have a, a, a connection to Angel Gabriel. And could we could, could we have a reading where Angel Gabriel comes through, please? <laughs> Did you, do you have any joy with that? <laughs> well, you know, funny, uh, I, I did kind of say that it wasn't a telephone line, <laughs> right. the angelic telephone line, but we could certainly look at their connection or their relationship to their, to, to their ideas of the angelic realms. Yeah, so there's something spiritual they could get out of it. Yes, absolutely. So, so my really crass question. Oh, but Peter, just before you <laughs> you move on, I like again without betraying any client confidentiality, the the alien one I'm fascinated by because alien implants is absolutely in my wheelhouse. What was the upshot of that? Was it a real encounter? Apparently so. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> um, but then again, you know that that opens up to a whole whole new vista of, of, of a conversation because you know what is an alien encounter i mean you know he was convinced that he was scooped up off, off off the off the side of a road you know and taken up into a spacecraft and fiddled around with um but i but i don't know it's uh i, I i'm a bit of a fence sitter myself yeah, we well, we're a broad church too. So my crass question, if I took you to the casino to come and play blackjack with me, no, no, I thought not. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the amount of times I've been asked that, could you tell my lottery ticket? <laughs> I mean, if I could do that, I would be living somewhere really nice. <laughs> you wouldn't be talking to us, right? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Well, I noticed that you've got um, a course on um, tarot and happiness, amongst others. If people have been inspired by this conversation, where should they go to find out more about your work? Yes, people would be very welcome to come to my website, which is www.avrilprice.com or the College of Psychic Studies. I've got several courses going on there. Uh, including tarot and shadow and tarot and the court cards. Uh, and we've got a tarot symposium coming up in November. So that's www.collegeofpsychicstudies.co.uk. And where can they find you on socials? I'm on Facebook. I've got Exploring Tarot, which is my uh, tarot group, Avril Price, and Avril Price Tarot. So I've got, that's three Facebook pages and Instagram, Avril Price tarot fantastic brilliant well, thank you so much for your time it's been a lovely discussion thank you for coming on oh it's been absolutely my pleasure thank you for your time <laughs> no thank you for yours and um we will definitely do this again and we'll pick up on some of those um threads that you've neatly woven for us and we can uh, have another go at unpicking um, i guess my final question is there anything that you wanted to say today that you've not been able to say or that you wanted, I thought you might want to leave us with? Other than, you know, um, tarot is very much a contemporary spiritual tool. Whether you use it for fortune telling and divination or whether you use it for self-discovery. And to remember that tarot encourages us to dance on lots of different levels and it certainly doesn't divorce us from the idea of our own personal spirituality and the fact that there are um the energies and beings uh sentient beings that live in other realms that operate for the greater good of us and it's all about the love man <laughs> that seems like a beautiful place to end
Are you the quantum mechanics?